Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by my confrere, Father Stephen Dominic Hayes. Let's begin with a prayer to Our Lady. Hail Amen. Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we are going to talk about the divine mercy the mercy that flows from the heart of Christ, the mercy that flows from the heart of our loving Father. Um, Father Hayes, what do you have to say about this vast vast topic? Let's start with somebody who has more to say about this than I do, or maybe has bigger credentials than I do. (laughs) So uh, Pope Francis, actually, Mm -hmm. for Mercy Sunday, uh, gave an excellent homily, Mm-hmm. And uh, he mentioned the three things that Jesus uses to show us his mercy on this day. And he uses the gospel. So the gospel is from, uh, you know, it's John's gospel. It's a gospel of Doubting Thomas. But it begins the week before an Easter day. So we're in chapter 20 of John's gospel, verse 19 and following. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for here of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. So the first gift is peace. Uh, When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are attained. And then it goes on to talk about the next week when Thomas, famously being absent, comes and is persuaded once he sees the risen body of the Lord and beholds those wounds. So, you know, and I think this is an interesting way of talking about um, the mercy of Christ. And we talk about, um, I think a lot of times, Sister Faustina's revelations and the, the famous icon of um, you know, the divine mercy, which, you know, Jesus, I trust in you, is the mm-hmm. legend on it. And this is a wonderful devotion, which my my mother was very, very, you know, enamored of. Really? You know, yeah, she, this was, I think this was a devotion that really appealed to her, especially with a raft load of chil- children in adult mm-hmm. life, all of whom are facing diff- different difficulties and mm-hmm. temptations and, you know, and wonderful journeys with the Lord. Um, I'm happy to say that all my brothers and sisters are pra- you know practice the faith, wow. and I think part of this is because um, of our my mother's insistence on on trusting Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. she always said she prayed. That the one thing she prayed for all of us was guidance, mm. and that's not a bad thing to pray for for adult children. I mean, parents of adult children have all the power of the Queen of England over Parliament, you know, which is to advise, to warn, and to counsel. <laughs> but that's about as far as it goes with adult kids. We say in my family, once you're 40, you're responsible for your own face. Um, 
don't blame your parents, in, in other words, anymore. But the three things here are, so first of all, uh, the gift of, uh, which flows from mercy, says the Pope, is the gift of peace. Right. And without going too much into this, this peace he gives is the relationship of right, you know, the tranquility which flows from a right ordered relationship. Right. First of all, to God, mm-hmm. you know, and this is why this is a gift. This is not a human work. The mercy that's being talked about is precisely divine mercy, which is made manifest to us through the humanity of Jesus Christ and his work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so it's an opportunity to receive a gift of peace, to trust that that no matter what your sins are, there is a place uh, that God has a plan for you and a, and a plan of right ordering precisely as his beloved child in G- through Jesus Christ and his work upon the cross. Now, that right. this is the meaning of our baptism, which is celebrated the course of Easter. You know, we, this is when we do all the adult baptisms, when we really try to look at this, our own participation in the death of Christ by which we are joined to him. If you wish, you know, that we are, na- you know, he was nailed to the cross, uh, and that's why baptism has power, but, you know, we are nailed to him and he to us in another sense. Mm-hmm. That this is more than uh, a unity which comes from the fact that God became man for us. There's a sense in which he touches every human life in that. But us who are called to baptism specifically, mm-hmm. in terms of an intimate relationship, with the with with the inner life of the deity of the deity of a life with the a personal life with the persons of the Trinity and sometimes you know our separate brothers and sisters brothers and sisters in Christ talk about um, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ we Catholics sort of expect more than that <laughs> you know because it's a relationship through Christ with the Father mm-hmm. and with the Holy Spirit as well right. and that. Uh, these are the persons who shape our lives. This is, and this is the beginning, as I said, of that peace, which comes from our life. The second, um, the second part of it is the gift of the Spirit, especially unto the forgiveness of sins. Mm. And so, with baptism, of course, this is something which we keep coming back to. I mean, the, the ability to go to confession is premised on the fact that you received baptism. Right. Yeah. You know, and that water is involved in both, ideally. Yeah. You know, the, the water pour, is poured from the outside to cleanse away your sins. And then in baptism, the water comes from the inside through mm-hmm. the tears that we shed in compunction for the sins that we commit. But in e- right. either case, we have a washing away of sin. Right. And in both cases, like you said, with peace, it's a, it's a restoration of the right order. Right. You know, when we're baptized, you know, we're ordered toward God. Mm-hmm. You know, we're ordered, you know, with... Uh, with the theological virtues, mm-hmm. you know, at least potentially when we're, if we're baptized when we're very little, you know, toward that that path which will bring us true peace. And then you might say that when we receive that second aspect of divine mercy, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit's for the forgiveness of sins, mm-hmm. we're restored to that order. Well, it's not only restored, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, you know it's, we're, we're in a better situation than Adam ever was. Mm. Because we're called not only to restoration of the primitive relationship of grace that God has with human race, but we're also called to divinization, to participate right. in the divine life 
in, I think, a way that Adam never had. The mm-hmm. Trinity is not revealed to Adam, as far right. as I can see. Right. You do have hints of it in Genesis, but you know, in terms of that story relationship, there doesn't seem to be this explicit invocation of the Trinity that you could find mm-hmm. in some other passages, even in the Old Testament. So I do think it's also about not just restoration of what we had, mm-hmm. but a divinization. We are mm-hmm. actually part- called to participate in the divine life. You know, Adam's, uh, Adam lived in a garden, but we're called to live in the New Jerusalem. And right. those gates are open and they shall not be closed. Mm-hmm. You know, but you're right. And, and, and notice that the disciples, as he calls them, are all guilty. Mm-hmm. They've, even John ran away from him in the garden. They deserted the man, the one whom they had professed, who they swore they would mm-hmm. stay with till death. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. Right. They didn't. Now, they hadn't been strengthened by the Holy Spirit yet, but it remains that they're in a state where they need reconciliation with the Lord. And right. I think that happens at a variety of moments in the, in the uh, resurrection narratives. I think we make a mistake by seeing a particular narrative as all or nothing in terms mm-hmm. of these matters. So and there's, a, there's a process going on here. Um, and then the third thing is the wounds. Right. You know, and these wounds of Christ are a gift to us. They're a sign, visible sign, that God will go through anything for our sake. Mm. Okay. That God will, he will suffer insult. He will salt and suffer the mocking of his kingship uh, and his divinity. You know, if you are the son of God, come down from that tree. You know. Right. And... And then he does this to fulfill the scriptures, and I would suggest to nail himself to the shape of our lives. You know, there's mm-hmm. nothing that we suffer in this life that he hasn't suffered for our sake. Right. You know, um, I mean, if you're listening to this, you have not yet suffered to the point of death. Because <laughs> you'd be listening to this from another place. So whatever, you know, Jesus has been there. <laughs> That's true. And he suffered unto death for your sake and mine and would have if you dear listener, were the only person who needed to be saved and rescued. He would have done this for you. And and so these wounds are precious signs. You know, I often have meditated on the fact that, you know, when we go to heaven, all our wounds are healed. You know, we will suffer no spiritual blindness or lameness, much less physical blindness or lameness. Right. Emotional difficulties will be cured. All things will be put right. And the only exception the idea of people living in heaven without wounds is Christ himself, mm. who seems in even the resurrection body to maintain those wounds as trophies. Mm-hmm. They give him no pain at this point. He is not, they are not deadly to him. He's not bleeding all over the floor. I'm sure that would have been mentioned in the Gospels if it happened. Right. But, um, but rather we find his wounds becoming you know, visible signs of the love he has for us. You know, and this is problematic, I think, you know, to, to some people. I remember when I was working in Wellpost in prison in Massachusetts briefly, this was during my novitiate, um, I met one of the Protestant prisoners who was talking about his problems with Catholicism. At one point he says, my big problem is this, and he opened a cabinet, and there was a crucifix that was used to set up for Mass. And uh, he looked at this, and as if we approved, so to speak, of the death of Christ, mm-hmm. or that we worshipped a dead God, or this was idolatry. Mm-hmm. He said, what do you see there? I say, well, you know, I see how much he loves me. 
these wounds, I mean, he, he suffers everything for me. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think that is Jesus. This is not idolatry. But does it help focus my prayer to meditate on these wounds, to even see these wounds portrayed, to share the imagination of other Christians who have meditated upon these wounds and shown those wounds in art, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, I mean, there are crucifixes. Most American crucifixes are pretty bloodless, you know? Um, you know, they're, they have Jesus, you know, dead, but, you know, there's usually a little drop of blood or two. Maybe it's water and blood, you know, flowing from the open side. But but he would have been bathed in blood that day, mm. you know? I mean, he, he would... He would have been. I've seen some Spanish crucifixes from the right. 1600s, which sort of are extremely mm-hmm. operatic in this regard, where you see him practically screaming on the cross, mm-hmm. which of course he doesn't do because, of course, he goes like a lamb to the slaughter and he opens not his mouth, mm-hmm. except to speak the scriptures. Right. You know, Eli, Eli, Oh God, my God. You know, he enunciates for the whole world in the Psalm 22. Uh, what is prophesied that will happen to him? Because everything's there, down to the dice thrown at the foot of the cross, and you know, uh, and the uh, and the great love and the promise of resurrection that that psalm has begins in a cry of despair from the human heart. Where is God? And finishes with the God, with the deeds of God manifest in the one who who seems to have passed through death, and yet now is speaking in the great assembly in the great kahal, in the the church. You're listening to The Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. I'm joined in the studio by Father Stephen Dominic Hayes. And we've been discussing three important um, ways that Jesus showed his divine mercy on the day of his resurrection in the Gospel of John. The first was peace, when he said, peace be with you. The second is the forgiveness of sins when he breathed on them with the Holy Spirit. And the third is showing his wounds to the disciples. And then a week later to Thomas, who would not believe unless Mm -hmm. he put his hands and his fingers into them. And we were speaking about how um, the wounds show that God will go through anything for our restoration and that the wounds remain on Christ's Mm -hmm. risen and resurrected body, even though he can suffer no more. He still has those wounds. So signs of hope. And signs of hope. Signs of hope. And also, insofar as they, his wounds point to ours. Right. You know, signs that, that we can survive. If he can survive anything, so can we. Right. I th- one thing that occurs to me is that when, we, when, when Jesus rises from the dead, um, he overcomes our death. Um, but resurrection is not just one big eraser. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, it's not like our whole life and our, all of our sufferings are like on the blackboard and they just takes an erasure and just erases them and wipes them Mm -hmm. away. Um, the wounds are not erased. Um, but they are, as you said, they're, they're changed dramatically in what they mean. When they were first inflicted, um, it was, it was evil, you know, and it was Mm -hmm. a cause for a great, um, Scandal and even despair, you know, among some of his most beloved friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but now looking at the wounds, when Thomas probes them with his hand, you know, now they are signs that, that Christ has overcome. But there's a sense in which, and this this is a passage that really struck me from one of my favorite books, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. 
um, there's a passage where he writes that someone who has been saved, someone who has made their way to see God face to face in heaven, when he or she looks back on his or her life, um, all of their life is really one more step toward that beatific vision. Even the most difficult and and troublesome um, and dark times of their life really was only one more step on that providential path that would lead them to heaven. So in a sense, those we look at those wounds um, not just as a painful memory, but in a way, even the past can be healed um, when looked at from the light of heaven. Uh, and, and to me, that's a very profound thing to reflect on. And, and that we can sometimes apply that to our lives. When we see, look back on our lives and we see our wounds, you know, uh, whether self-inflicted by our own wrongdoing or, or inflicted by others, sometimes, sometimes we can see that in the light of something that, that has happened after them, especially some healing or some grace or or some compassion towards another person, we can see that those wounds take on a new kind of character. They have a different meaning, sometimes an almost opposite meaning from what they had at the time. Which might be exactly the healing. Mm-hmm. In other words, that, you know, if you look at the scriptures, there are many opportunities where people's brokenness or failings before Jesus become the opportunity not only of their own healing, but a way by which Christ's healing is communicated to others. Mm-hmm. As has been said, so many people have profited from uh, Thomas' unbelief. Right. You know, Listen to those who have not seen it. But have believed, believed, you know, and then, or Peter's denials. Mm-hmm. You know, how many people have found themselves uh, taking heart from poor, impetuous Peter, who never mm-hmm. seems, or at some moments seems to be unable to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, put back your sword, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, right. that's not how we're doing this. Right. Um, or, you know, the denials, you know, and the, and yet um, he provides a way of approaching in a very intimate way the heart of Christ. You know, mm-hmm. Peter, do you love me? Right. You know, three times, you know, undoing his three denials, you know. Right. You know Jesus even arranges a second charcoal fire. You know, That's he, right. He, you know, Peter denied Jesus over the a charcoal, charcoal fire, and now he is now the second one. The second one where he is reconciled That's and right. given the mission. Um, notice that this. I think this is also about uh, the mission that is being. You know, you don't confront God without being given a mission, mm-hmm. and this is another point of, I think about the mercy of to be authentic, because it's not something. If the divine mercy is self diffusive. So if it's authentically received, the sign that it's authentically received is that it's communicated. Right. So you can't have mercy received without mercy done. Right. You know, and so, you know, St. James says, you know, uh, and the Pope quotes this, you know, that the faith without works is dead. This is, otherwise it becomes dry, and the Pope says, merely sentimental. Mm-hmm. You know, you, if, unless you're finding a way to serve. And this is where Sister Faustine, I think, comes useful again. She says, you know, um, that uh, the three three ways, you know, are deeds of mercy, words of mercy, prayers of mercy. Mm. And she means specifically prayers for other people. Mm. But, you know, the que- I think it's interesting to put deeds first. Because in one sense, that's the most full thing. I mean, we can pray that, a per- you know, see a poor person or person in need, and I'll, I'll pray for you which does nothing actually to help them in their need. 
You know, if you're going to help people, be merciful to them, mm-hmm. and don't and don't don't skimp. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be an ethic. Decide to be their ethical teacher or spiritual director when they need something. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember I had the correct um, it was one board. You know, who was just doing mercy. They'd pay the the people in charge had the idea that well. A person comes to us to get an electric bill played. We'll pay eighty percent of it, but you have to come up with a twenty. I said, "Don't do that." No, because they came to you because they don't have any of that to pay. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there would be a partial payment on the electric bill. Mm-hmm. No, but their refrigerator is going to be off. That means the meat and the milk spoil. Mm-hmm. It means that you're losing money. Pay the bill mm-hmm. if you're going to pay the bill. Don't right. don't nickel and dime them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, as I said, they're spiritual, spiritual directors. Mm-hmm. You know, don't worry about the mercy. Just do the do the merciful thing before Christ, and make sure they have some electricity that the light goes on the refrigerator. Right. Yeah. And Christ did, in John's Gospel, which we've been talking about, you know, the Last Supper washes the disciples' feet, and, right. and he says, "As I have done, so you must do." You this know, is the lowest. If, yeah. If you, if you plant, you know, and in the way he's he's plant, it's like a seed. If you if you plant a seed and it grows a plant, but the plant doesn't bear fruit, you know, doesn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't a good seed to begin with, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not fulfilling its purpose until it comes full circle, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and bears the fruit of mercy. So, so yeah, so the, the wounds of Christ, um, you know, show that, well, I guess you could say that the wounds of Christ show that not only will he go through anything for our restoration, but, but we should also be willing right to and, help restore others yeah exactly and if we did i mean we'd be a wonderfully missionary church mm-hmm. so I, mean, I think this is what this holy spirit's maybe summoning us especially with the the growth of the divine mercy devotion in our in our present day but it's it's not just a new devotion it's profoundly biblical right it's all about the chesed of of god you know the love of god the rachamim of god that uh, rechem is a means womb in mm-hmm. Hebrew, and rachamim is that compassionate love that God loves us with, like a woman loves her child. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he's used this. This is even used in a phrase where he speaks as a father loves, using the word womb loves his ch- his child. So does God love uh, love mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. That his people are loved with a love that does not turn away with it. It can't turn away without being false to what it is in the first place. Mm. You know, God loves us because God is love. It's not, and he does so freely. But he does so in a way that that love continues, that that mercy continues, uh, even if we reject it. Because he can't, he does not turn away from being merciful. Uh, that would be opposed to his own integrity. Mm-hmm. If I can use human words mm-hmm. imperfectly. So, um, peace is one is one gift that Christ gives. Then the forgiveness of sins, and then He shows them as wounds. And when we we're talking about peace, I wanted to come back to that for a little bit. And you said that peace comes from the right order, right ordering of ourselves to God, mm-hmm. to others, um, to ourselves. Of God to us first. Of God to us, true. Right. Right, but it occurred to me that, like, you can think of, you know, peace, you know, when, when we're forgiven, you know, it doesn't just go back as if it's like a, 
a reset and we're starting over again. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like just as the wounds are visible in Christ's risen body, it's like, you know, it's not like it's not like you go and your 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 engine is rattling, so you bring it into the the mechanic, you know, mm-hmm. and they restore it. Okay, now it's back to its factory condition. Mm-hmm. You know, it isn't like that quite. You know, it's we have you know, or like an instrument, you know, that comes back and, it, and you, you retune it to just the way it was at the beginning. It's more like it's tuned now to a new kind of key, you know. It's in a different, you know, the new the new ordering actually incorporates some of the, the wounds of the past so that there's actually a new kind of, of harmony. And maybe a new kind a of music one, possible. A new kind of music, a new richness that, that wasn't there before, you know, mm-hmm. um, so that someone who who has experienced those wounds, you know, or as, as you said, Christ Christ allows himself to be nailed to our own, you know, humanity and its fallenness and its brokenness. You know, our wounds can actually, when we show mercy to others, help others in a way that we wouldn't be able to help them if we didn't have them. The scary thing about this, of course, is that if Christ is nailed to our wounds, then we need to have to be nailed to other people's wounds. <laughs> and that means when we serve people, not to treat them as problems, which is somehow the world does this. You know, mm-hmm. we have benevolence in the world, but treats people as problems. We really need to see them as persons, right. as children of God, whom the Father already loves, no matter how, how they're living their life. Mm-hmm. And to make, and to share the life we have received, which is now our life, to share our life with these other people. And sharing life, I think, is something that our society is really scared about, scared about. But this is what transforms the church. This is the life that the church provides the world the world would otherwise not have. Right. Yeah, this is Christ had that second charcoal fire. He, you know, he, he wanted Peter to know, you know, that even if you deny me three times, mm-hmm. um, I have not abandoned you. No. I have not turned my back upon you. Mm-hmm. I will welcome you back. Um, as long as you, you know, reaffirm your love and are willing to, to help feed my sheep and tend my lambs. Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimension. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. I've been joined in the studio by my fellow Dominican, Father Stephen Dominic Hayes. Let's now end in our prayer to St. Dominic. O light, light of the, the Church, church teacher, teacher of Truth, Rose of Patience, Ivory of Chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom, Preacher of grace, unite us with the blessed. Amen. Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. This-